this morning to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 15. We're going to again turn to uh, the parable of the lost son or the parable of the two sons, uh, whatever title there you want to give it. Um, today's title of the message is that the Father loves you. I'm going to read this morning, actually from the New Living Translation. Last week we read from the English Standard Version, which is our standard version typically to read from. Uh, however, this week I want to read from the NLT, just because uh, when you're dealing with a story, the NLT is extremely helpful in relating the, uh, the message of that story. So listen to these words once again this week. Luke 16, we'll start with verse 11. To illustrate the point further... Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time uh, his money ran out, A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son, who was in the fields working, when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat goat for a feast with my friends. Yet... When this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, 
You always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, your word never ceases to amaze me. Lord, may we experience some of the wonder and awe of your word so that we may fall down and worship today with all of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I watched a movie this week that some of you may judge me by. It's called The Vow. Um, I know it's a chick flick, um, but I have a chick that I have to uh, make sure it's taken care of. And so I try every once in a while to watch one of these movies with her. She wanted me to see it, so I watched it. And if you know me for any length of time, you know that I... um, I don't know I'd say analyze things, but I try to theologically approach everything that I do. So whether it's mountain biking or shooting or going to a sports game or watching a movie, I theologize, so to speak. And so I'm looking for what I could take from this movie. Now, if you're not aware of of what The Vow is about, it's actually based on a true story of two people that are madly in love with one another and they get married And then they're celebrating one night, and they get hit by a truck in in an accident. And she completely loses all memory of him, of the past five years that they've been together. So for five years they've been together, and she loses all of that. And she reverts back only to her really childhood and teenage, and a little bit of college. Of course, he doesn't lose his memory. And so the movie is essentially about him trying to win back. I don't know, some guy named Channing Tatum. Uh, He's trying to win back her love. And she can't remember him. She thinks he's a stranger, and yet they're married. And yet it's awkward because she doesn't know him. And he's he's trying to win her back. He doesn't care what it takes. He wants to be with her. Isn't that like us? I mean, just think about that. Isn't that like us and God? When we collide with sin, we lose certain things. We forget God. We think that sin, whatever it is we're in, whatever it is we're doing or not doing, that's what seems most important. And we forget God. We forget our commitments. We forget our vow to God. But he doesn't forget. And he doesn't care how we treat him. He just wants us back. And isn't that what it said in our story today? The father? My son was lost, but now he's found. The father was anticipating his return. He was praying for his return. He was waiting for his return. And he saw him from afar. And he was willing to embrace him. You see, this morning I want to talk to you about the Father's love that He has for you. Our Heavenly Father. God the Father. You know, where I want to begin is kind of where the story begins. And that is, the Father provided everything for these two sons. We talked about this a little bit last week. 
And God provides for us. He's given you a body to breathe with, to live with, to do fun things with, to experience life with. He's given you life and breath. He's given you friends. He's given you a family. He's given you this age in which to live, which as I've spoken of before, is unlike any other age in time that has ever existed. We get to experience things today that no, nobody generationally has ever experienced before. Amenities, pleasures, entertainments. But you know, in the midst of all this, it never ceases to amaze me how awesome, using that term truly, creation is. I mean, our cell phones are pretty cool, our cars are cool, our houses are neat, and you know, these sorts of things are, are some of these things are mind boggling what, what technology can do. But at the end of the day, no one can make a sunset. <laughs> Nobody can create a human to have all these distinctive things, like, such as a fingerprint. Everybody's fingerprint is different. Which is why the FBI knows a little something about God, because they started fingerprinting. You can't make a tree. God did that. <laughs> we can help participate in propagating more trees, but we can't make a tree. We can't make the ocean. You'd never be able to dig that much, have that much water. I mean, when I, again, when I'm out at the ocean, I just it's vast. You see. Creation is one of God's signs that He has posted that tells us that He loves us. Now maybe you don't make it for a lot of sunrises, but hopefully you've seen a few sunsets and hopefully you can really appreciate those sunsets. It's almost like a water painting sometimes. And He does that for us. He really is an artist. I mean, look at all of us and the diversity here. Look at creation and its diversity. I mean, Bob and I talk about when we're out, you know, Monsano riding bikes, you know, on the trails and stuff. This is God's cathedral for us. This is, I mean, this is something we can't build. We can't build a mountain. We can enjoy it, though. We can stop and, quote, smell the roses, which is what we ought to do, because it really is a sign of God's love for us. He created this whole place for us. The whole thing was made so that we could enjoy creation. That we could enjoy life. The whole thing. I mean, he, he per, I mean, just think about the details of all the way down to the cellular level. Physics. I mean, there's so many components to life. He did all that, designed all, just for us. It's an amazing thought. You know what a sign is. I mean, a sign helps to point you in a direction. You know, here's the bathroom. Or... Turn. This is a one-way. You know, I, I wish people would regard signs more often. I saw somebody near Bridge Street the other day going down the wrong way. Like, wow, okay. Uh, glad you saw the sign. And yet we miss signs, don't we? There's signs all around us. <laughs> Creation is one of the strongest signs, and it's all around us, and yet we miss it. Paul says even in Romans 1 that creation alone can condemn us if we suppress that truth and say, no, 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 there's no, there's no designer, there's no creator, there's no watchmaker. This is all just random. This is all just happenstance. Paul says, no, 
you know the truth and you must suppress the truth in order to say there is no God. And of course, the psalmist would say, only a fool would say, there is no God. But we know the sign of creation, but there's another clearer sign, and that is the Bible. God gives us His Word as a sign. Again, posted for us, plentiful, by the way, for us. I mean, you realize that for 1,500 years, roughly, no one had a bound copy like this of the Scriptures. Not like what we have here from a printing press. It wasn't invented. They were all handwritten. They were very expensive. Not everybody got to read the Bible. That's why people had to go to church in order to hear the Bible. And yet we have plentiful copies. Many different translations. If you can't read on a 6th grade level, we've got some that's 3rd grade, 2nd grade, 1st grade, preschool. And I love that, what's it called? Jesus Story Bible? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great Bible. I read it sometimes in preparation for my sermons. The point is, we have the Bible all around us too. And yet we miss that sign, don't we? Why do we miss these signs? What about us forgets about these postings? Is it familiarity? Is the fact that just like when at your office you pass certain signs that you never even see anymore? That if somebody asks you, you know that sign that says that you wouldn't even know because you've passed it so many times. Is it that? Have we become too, has God become too familiar to us? I hope not. Because part of religion, part of worship is wonder. The great philosophers will tell us that philosophy and religion both start with wonder. Not with some kind of humdrum scientific method or mathematical equation that 2 plus 2 equals 4 and that's no big deal. But instead, wonder, mystery. The fact that you can't ever say, you know what, I've got this God thing figured, I'm going to put that up on the shelf. No, you'll never get Him figured out. He's... He's three persons, one God. And just like I have one person in my life who we are one, Jessica, I will never be able to kind of put her up on a shelf and say, all right, I'm done with Jessica. I know everything there is to know about her. No, persons are inexhaustible. Persons are filled with wonder and awe. They're unique. There's nothing like persons. Nothing like people. (laughs) I love how, Baz, you said of your daughter, she was a neat gal. I like that. I heard you say that several times. And we really are. We're very neat. We're created by God. That's a sign. It's His sign. And His Word is for us. And yet we miss it. Why do we miss it? Maybe some people are ignorant of it. I mean, just, I mean maybe some folks don't know. Now, I don't, I mean, everybody in here obviously has seen these two signs of creation in the Word of God. But some people really do not know that God is on their side. They don't know that. Some people at your work don't know that. Don't know that the Bible is our guide and standard. Other people, it's about control. They don't want 
to release control in their life. It's just like the story I tell about Baylor when he went and somehow uh, got into the dishwasher and was dual wielding two paring knives. Paring knives. Sorry, it's paring knives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We looked it up on pronunciation. Um, And I had to ask him for those knives. I mean, you don't just run in there and take a sharp knife from a kid because he'll draw back. And I had to ask him for them. And gladly he was obedient because he trusted me. Do we really trust God or do we pull back? This ought to be our approach always to God in worship in our lives, open hands, open heart to God. You know, the clearest sign that God gives to us is actually His own Son, Jesus Christ. So He gives us creation, which is all around us, the Bible, which we all have access to. I mean, now it's even free on your phone. All kinds of translations. But the clearest sign of all is not those things, but instead God Himself. It's almost like God said, look, I'm not going to leave it by chance that they'll get this, but instead I'll come Myself. It's like the ball showing up. He makes sure it's done and revealed properly. So how do we know God? How do we know who He is? Because of Jesus Christ. We know God exactly as He is. Jesus tells Thomas, remember, He says, if you have seen Me and know Me, then you know My Father. Because He and I are one. You see, as far as signs go, signs of God's love, Jesus shows us the clearest that God is love and that He is for us. I mean, in the very heart of God is a human. And just as we sang this morning, He still bears the scars of His sacrifice to remind us of what He did. You see, your body matters. Matter matters to God. He loves it. He loves this creation. It's not like one day when we get to heaven, we won't have a body and we won't be in some type of creation of God. No, we are told we get our body back. That's what the resurrection is all about. And we're told there's a new heaven and a new earth with better mountain biking trails, with better places to shoot, with better mountains. But still the things that God... This stuff out here that He created isn't junk. He loves it. He likes trees. He likes birds. Just like my son does. Bird. Bird. Points out every time he sees one. I'm like, yes, son, that's a bird. I didn't even see it at first, bird. See, we miss so many signs that God has given. And so did the prodigal son. All these things his dad had done for him, and he missed it. He threw it away. He didn't care at all about their family name. Now, I'm not speaking of Prince Harry, I'm speaking of the prodigal son. That's supposed to be funny, but whatever. If you don't want to laugh, that's cool. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I know it was funny, so. Not only this, not only signs, but God has vowed. Go back to our illustration again. He has vowed to be with us. He promised to be with us. 
the scripture says, even before the foundation of the world, He chose us. Before you ever did anything, to go to our illustration last week, He's already pushing the button to be your coach. He wants you. He he has called your children by name. He has chosen them to be His special people. To be a royal priesthood. To be ministers, in other words. He has chosen us because He's vowed to be with us. And we find His vows in the Old Testament. That's the old vow. And the new vow in Jesus Christ. Really, you should say it's the older vow and the newer one. It's like He renews with us. He makes a a vow, covenant, promise with Abraham, with Moses, with David, and ultimately with Jesus Christ, which is why Jesus is the only way. And we often look at that as negative, but that's a positive thing because He is God and He's everywhere. (laughs) That's the good thing about God is He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. There's some kind of cartoon back in the day I used to watch. And every time I say that, it, uh, it comes back to me. It may not be for you, but it was for me. Um, so what do, we do about, what do we do about this? You know, really, as far as our story goes, today with the prodigal son, what he had to come to was the fact that he was starving to death, he was hungry, and yet his servants in his father's house were eating better than him. He finally said to himself, you know what? I confess and I repent. I'm not going to stay in the same place. I'm going to get up and leave. And I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to tell him I'm not even worried to be your son anymore. He was humble. He was broken. And you know what? That's the only way to approach God. We never approach God telling Him what to do. He listens to a broken and contrite heart. One that is repentant. Not one that is telling God what you're going to do. That sets you up as God. One of, the, one of the greatest confessions you can make in your own life is to say, I am not God. I am not in control. I will never be in control. But I can trust the One who is. Can you trust the Father? He's trustworthy. I think His track record is pretty good. He's been trusted to the ages. And you can trust Him in whatever situation you're in. You can run back to Him any time of the day because He's always looking out. Even when you leave Him or go astray, He's still looking. He's still hoping and waiting. You know what it says? The servant that tells the older brother, he says, we are celebrating in verse 27 because of His safe return. Was that why they were celebrating? No. Uh-uh. Notice what the Father says in verse 32. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. It's not just about safety in life. We're going to die. God's not just here to provide us safety. That seems to be most of our praying. Lord, keep us safe. Keep my kids... Keep it. More than safety... Lord, make sure my children are alive in Christ. Make sure my life is found in God. We will die. That is is one of the surest facts in our world is we will pass from this life to the next. What is more important is do we know Christ? Do we know 
the Father? Do we know His love? Have you experienced His love? He's here with open arms, and our only response is open arms. Giving God a hug. I mean, that's, that's essentially ought to be our posture. You got to do it wide because He's big. And when we come back to Him, you know what? There's going to be some celebrating. They're going to be celebrating in heaven. Just as I said and shared last week, the two different docks when somebody passes from this life to the next, that dock that's celebrating over here, that's what's going on in heaven. Lost, found, dead, and alive. Are you dead in your sins? Are you starving to death? You don't have to be. You can return to the Father. He is always welcoming. He's always got open arms. <laughs> you can always trust Him. Have you seen His signs? They're everywhere. And yet we miss them because of our ignorance. We miss them because of our doubt. We miss them because we want to be in control. Are you, are you willing to relinquish that? Are you willing to lay down your arms? And pick up His. His burden is easy, Jesus tells us. His yoke that He puts us under is light. Because He's carrying the load. <laughs> because He's already trod the path. The saints have already gone before us. Who that? And now we march in that apostolic line that has shown the trustworthiness of God. Do you trust Him today? I want us to do something. Um, I was, Rachel, if you would come up, I want to <clears throat> try to do a little bit different in our response time this morning. Do you really know God's love? If not, you can respond to Him now.